Hey, welcome back to another brand new season of the Simplify and Multiply show. And today I'm going to be talking about getting over they can't do it as good as I do paralysis in the season that's all about delegating, admin, and getting virtual help. If you are a solopreneur and want growing your business to be easier, welcome to the Simplify and Multiply show. Hosted by award-winning creative, business development expert, and tactical coach, Terry Pappy. The Simplify and Multiply show promises to become your practical, tactical, and motivational guide to succeeding as a solopreneur. Hey there, Solo. I'm Terry Pappy, and I created Simplify and Multiply to provide you a place where you can discover how to make your business more profitable. I'm going to do this by helping you remove the complexity from marketing and business development. So if that sounds good to you, listen in. All right, so in this particular episode, you have me the whole episode, which I hope that's okay because I'm just hogging you all to myself. But let me tell you this. I have some amazing guests lined up for this season. Now, season eight of the Simplify and Multiply show is all about delegating, admin, and getting virtual help. And the reason why I picked this topic, and I've been wanting to do this particular season for a long time, let me tell you, um, is because as a solopreneur, we have to make the choice whether or not we want to get help. I mean, we're obviously going to need help, some sort of help at some point. Now, there are many ways we can approach that. But if you're looking for a solopreneur business that's more of a lifestyle, that creates a lifestyle, well, that's really how you run your business, right? So it's not just like, hey, I want to make a lot of money so I can have a lifestyle I can enjoy. No, the way I like to look at it, and that's why I use the term lifestyle solopreneur, is it's about creating as much freedom and ease and harmony in your life as possible, which is, let me tell you what, it's how I roll. And when you have the harmony and the ease and the flow in your business, to me, that translate is you don't have to manage a lot of people, right? You don't have to be chasing around uh, a team to make sure they're getting things done, make sure that they're doing things appropriately and so on. Now, on the other side of that, there are people who argue, hey, listen, if you get the right team, you don't have to worry about chasing around or managing them. You put them in charge and you let them self-manage. Well, I'm sure there's a happy place in between, but my, <laughs> I lean more toward the, you know what, I want to keep it simple. I don't have to worry about a bunch of other people and so on. And so in this episode, I'm going to be talking about some ways you can deal with the mindset that I have always struggled with, which is around, they can't do it as good as I do. And I'm in <laughs> a creative business, right? So there's a lot of tactical work that I've done in my entire career. And I always look at things aesthetically, making sure they're as good a quality as possible, that everything is buttoned up and just like perfect, right? So I have that problem <laughs> with making everything like super high quality, Terry approved kind of stuff. And that has really paralyzed me in being able to find the support that I need to actually do the tactical work. And quite frankly, I'm actually shifting my business away from doing that 100% of the time because for two reasons. One, it's because people are valuing my strategic coaching and support more. And the other is that, you know, I have more time to serve more people if I offload that to either a team or I just 
act more like an art director, you know, where I'm helping my solopreneur clients and Pappy Club members do their own work or work with their own uh, team that they have. And it's so much more effective because I can leverage most of my time focusing on supporting them, being there to guide them, and to give them the kind of feedback that's very objective, that really, really accelerates what they're trying to do in their business. So those are things that I believe are a good trajectory for me in my business. And you'll notice this entire year and moving forward, I'm gonna, you're gonna hear me being super, super vulnerable, honest, transparent, even more than I was in the past. Because I'm finding that in bringing out my thousand percent and what I'm creating for you and for my clients and, and members, it's, it's so much more potent and satisfying for them and for me to really just kind of let it all out, if you know what I mean. And so life's too short, right? We want to really get to the meat and the heart of business and what we're about in our work and just fully express ourselves. And that's what I'm really all about is I'm moving and evolving in my business is helping my clients do that. So, but anyway, <laughs> getting back to what this episode is about, which is all about getting over, they can't do it as good as I do, paralysis. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about my experience and my mindset and and also give you some techniques that you can do to kind of work your way through it. So I appreciate you listening all all this time, whether you're a new listener or you've uh, been listening since, you know, I started this over two years ago. Um, and I'm so glad to be back in season eight. I took a little bit of a break between seven and eight. And here I am. And let's do it. So I'm going to start by telling you kind of like a little backstory um, and my background, which is why I kind of got stuck in this mindset of nobody can do it as good as I do. Uh, so as you may or may not know, I'm a creative, right? So I went to art school. I, you know, had training in Georgia Tech and New Media. So I've got like all this training behind me that's all very tactical, hands-on, you know, make it from scratch kind of girl, right? So, and I take great pleasure in being a creative and making things for myself and others. And I've always been paid uh, for that work my whole career. You know, it's like I get hired to design websites or do brochures or do branding. It's like everything is a creative output. Now, all of my varied experiences in printing, newspaper, advertising, you know, I've worked with some of the best tradespeople, creatives, and business people, and I learned a ton. Plus, I'll tell you what, I've read just about every book and course on marketing, online communications, and branding and everything communications and customer experience related. So I got really good over the years and I continue to improve my skills. I always wanna keep my skills as best as they can be. I never wanna let anything languish because there's always new technologies, there's always new things coming on scene and I wanna be able to bring that and understand it so I can really help my clients and members. Now, I always had a sharp eye and a very dialed in knowing of customer experience as well. That was just always really important to me. So the blend of the, you know, the branding and the aesthetic and the whole communication thing with the customer experience uh, really made me a triple threat. And my clients loved working with me because I really brought the customer into the fray. So anything we designed or created always had the customer in mind. Now. I went into business for myself in 2006. I got laid off of Marriott. They were doing a reduction in force and myself and many other thousands of people 
were laid off. And that was obviously before the whole 2008 craziness. And, and they saw the sign, you know, so they started, you know, rolling people off and such. So at the time, I couldn't find another job. And I was like, well, I guess it's time for me to, um, you know, go ahead and just start doing my own thing. And so what did I naturally do? I just started freelancing, right? Um, I thought, well, I was getting paid to make things, so I, I got to continue to get paid. So, you know, I'm just going to continue making things. But because I had no confidence, I was I was charging like next to nothing. And I've I've talked about this in other episodes. And so but what was what I was really lucky with was, you know, that I got so much referral business because of all my Marriott contacts and so on and so forth. So the first eight years of business, about eight years, eight, nine years, I did everything myself, everything. I made stuff, I sold stuff, I did all my bookkeeping, you name it. I was literally a, you know, 20-armed paper hanger, if you will, as opposed to the one-armed paper hanger. But I was busy like a one-armed paper paper hanger. (laughs) I love that expression. Now, when I started moving into more strategic work, I knew I had to find help, right? So if I'm going to make that transition where I'm trying to offer more of my time to be strategic and guide people and support people and help them with, you know, their mindset and all of the things that are around strategy and coaching and business and building customer relationships, well, who's going to be doing all the creative? Well, I couldn't continue to do that 100% of the time. So I knew I had to find help. Now, part of me was wanting all of the profits to be perfectly honest, since I was making barely enough. Remember I said, like, I barely charged anything. I had no idea how to price myself, right? So I was, you know, like, time for money. I was pay- I was charging by the hour. For- I did that for years, right? And I was barely making enough to get by and was used to having 100% of that gross revenue. And then the other was that no one was as good as me at the creative stuff. I had a certain look. I had a certain approach. I had a certain style. Um, of how I did things. And there were some things that I was like super anal about and like typography. My first job out of art school was working with with um, at a type house where I, you know, did all the typesetting. And some of you <laughs> younger folks may not understand, but Google it, right? <laughs> um, but typography is the art of kerning and laying out text. So it's almost like an art. It's designed. It's beautiful. And so because I learned from a tradesman, I got really good. I got a sharp eye. And any type of text issue that wasn't well done or well designed, I it's like I had like this Tourette's of like, oh, my God, <laughs> I, I couldn't like I spazzed out. It was ridiculous. So I always had to have my hands all over the typography or the branding or whatever. And I, I just really got and part of it might have been because I was insecure, you know, about my business and what I was doing. And, and so I would point out things that maybe other designers would do or a client would come in and they'd show me the hot mess that they had. And they're like, Terry, we got to fix this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you do. And I was like kind of judgy. And I think some of that was from me being a little insecure, maybe. But it was also because I had refined certain skills so tightly that I just had to do it that way. I had to fix it. And so between that and wanting, you know, the share of all the revenue, because I was barely making enough to get by, it was really hard to, you know, find somebody that could help me. Now, because I had that mindset, I kept attracting mediocre support, you know, VAs that, you know, would show up half of the time, subcontractors and designers that just weren't up to snuff, in my snooty opinion, if you will. 
They weren't even close. In fact, because of my attitude about their work, I you're going to you're going to die when you hear this. I often redid what they did because I didn't want my clients getting subpar work. Now, this is in my mind, right? As it was a reflection of me. Now, of course, you know, you don't want to just throw some freelancer stuff in front of your client that you know is not good enough, right? And so I would go and freaking redo these things. It was ridiculous. And I took it personally, which was so, you know, like not good for my business, right? And so now when I, let's back up a little bit. So in 2000, I started working for Marriott, okay? And I was hired as a, a senior web designer director. So I was in charge of all the, the graphical user interface, the way all of the Marriott product, um, all their sub-businesses and everything for their vacation club looked, right? So, and that was just all the online stuff. They had a separate like print department that took care of all the collateral and stuff they sent out to the resorts and the hotels and whatnot. And so one of the first things that they had me do was build the team, right? They said, okay, Terry, we have um, two, you know, junior web designer positions that we think that we've got a budget for, et cetera, and so on. So I had to interview all these people and I was, you know, and I had only been doing web work for maybe five or six years. Um, and so it was still kind of new to me and, and the web back then, oh my gosh, the web was changing by the hour as far as what you could do, what browsers could display, what software could build what, you know, I remember animated GIFs were such a big thing and then <laughs> it turned into flash and then everybody was doing all this, you know, rich media stuff and video wasn't even like around that. We were just starting to see video hit the scene. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like I'm dating myself. But isn't it amazing? I mean, when you stop and think about it, isn't it amazing at how fast the internet technology and what we can see on the internet now has evolved? I mean, it's crazy when you stop and think about it. I mean, remember dial-up? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's like what we had to put up with back then was ridiculous. And you know what? Five years from now, it's going to be completely different. I mean, I could see us like looking at web pages and having experiences with using 3D glasses or who knows what technology is coming out next. Anyway, I digress. So I, uh, one of the junior designers that I hired, um, his name's Dan Manili, and I love Dan. Dan was the best. And so Dan had a very formal education. He's a very talented uh, artist designer and he just was fantastic on my team and he was great to work with he was a lot of fun he was a funny guy and i hired him and he was on my team the whole time i worked at marriott and when i hired him as a junior designer on the web team he ended up getting laid off shortly after i was laid off in 2006. i mean it was just like they were just letting people go left and right terry will be right back with the rest of the show in just a moment are you feeling so burdened with busy work that you're not getting the important stuff done in your business? Well, as we're uncovering in this season, you don't have to do everything. As a coach once said to me, the thing must be done, but it doesn't have to be done by you. The great thing about making decisions about how you run your business is that you can choose what to do yourself and what to automate, outsource, or eliminate. But if you're not sure where to start, let's talk it through together. Book a call with me at pappychat.com and I will help you clarify a plan on how you can get the help you need. That's P-A-P-P-Y-C-H-A-T.com. 
Let's get you focused on what gives you joy through expressing your 1000% and offload the stuff you don't want to do so you can make more runway for your business to grow. But we stayed in touch, okay? And so I never forgot the first time I hired Dan as a 1099 in my business to do a design project. Um, I think, it, I don't know if it was the first one, but it was, it might have been, you know, a couple of the first projects or whatever. And they were small projects. They were, they were projects like I was just kind of testing the water, but I trusted Dan. I'd worked with him in the past. I knew he did great work and I knew I could rely on him, right? That I could give him feedback and he'd be like, no problem. I can fix it or I can do whatever. And it was all good. It was like the safest 1099 hire I could have done. <laughs> and so one of the design projects that I had him do was a customer journey map for a client who was working with a Fortune 50 client on improving their customer experience. And this client actually was someone that I met it at Marriott, and he's a he's a dear friend and was a client and still is technically a client uh, many, many years later. And <laughs> it's so funny because remember how I was saying I would redo what I would get from my <laughs> my my uh, designers or you know my contractors? Well, I ended up getting my hands all over what Dan did. And Dan, now don't get me wrong. His first pass was a really good job, and I gave him a lot of great direction. I gave him a creative brief, you know, all the things that, you know, to set him up for success. But when I saw this thing, and this was probably the first, I think it was either the first or second um, customer journey map I did for this particular client. <laughs> I'm laughing because I was, I was just so like anal about this. It's ridiculous. And now I'm like, so not like that anymore. But I had to go in and tweak this and tweak that before I gave it to my client. Now, the second one that I gave Dan, I let him do it 100% and I never touched it, changed it, did anything. I literally was like the go-between. I felt like a project manager. I would give Dan the direction. He'd go do it. I'd give him the assets. He'd go create it. Did a great job first time. I put it, literally put it right in front of the client and said, here. <laughs> <laughs> and the client gave me feedback. He said, oh, it looks great. He was happy, right? He was happy with it. And that's what blew my mind. I was like, okay, so I didn't get in there and I didn't fix it. I didn't tweak it. I didn't get some Terry DNA in there. And my client was thrilled. Well, that was a big turning point for me because I knew at that point that I was in my own way from the standpoint that I needed to focus on what I was best at, right? That graphics and, and all of that stuff, even, even copywriting, is very subjective. And in the eyes of your client, if it gets results, that's all that matters, right? If, it, if they're happy with it, that's all that matters. So now obviously there's fringes where, you know, you don't want to put crap in front of your client, right? So you want it to be as good as possible. But at the end of the day, if it meets a certain level of quality, you want to run with it and just let it happen because you have to be efficient. You have to get stuff done. And I brought Dan in again and again and again and on these projects that really helped me out. And I started really relying on Dan to do these things for me and offload some of this design work, especially pieces of design like illustrations that he was just really, really good at and better than me, quite frankly. And so I, I can't express that strongly enough, you know, that 
what he did was great. And I am so appreciative of, of what he did do. And <laughs> and it's so funny. It, it wasn't my work. I didn't pee on that tree, if you will. But the client was happy, and that made me happy. I knew I'd gotten the client what they needed. And, you know, it is then that I realized that what I was best at was strategic work. You know, helping my clients get the clarity, be better organized in how they ran and marketed their business. My highest creative skill was copywriting. Like, that's the thing. If somebody said to me, Terry, what if there was one thing out of all the creative work that you've ever done and ever do, what is the thing that you think you're best at in the creative genre? And I would say copywriting. I am a writer at heart. That's where my strongest, uh, you know, strength is. That's where I, that's my happy place creating. And, you know, I, I realized then that I had to start focusing on what I was best at and outsource the rest or guide my clients to outsourcing solutions. And that's why I'm doing this season around delegating admin and getting virtual help. You have to understand as a solopreneur that you have to realize what you're good at and what you want to do. And this is what I'm going to be unpacking, especially in the next in the next episode, I'm going to be talking about, you know, a tool uh, that you can use to kind of get yourself better organized and find the joy in what you do in your business. But getting back to my story, it was so important for me to find what worked for me and understand that for me, it was all about trust, right? I had to trust my resource to do a good job. And I also had to let go of the paralyzing control of they can't do it as good as I do, right? And that's how you have to be too. Focus on the things that have to be done by you that leverages your unique skills, your 1000% you, and things you enjoy, right? And then delegate the rest or eliminate it or automate it, right? And so that's what I want you to think about when you do that. And in telling the story about my journey through those experiences, even though they're more literal hands-on type things, it's a good way for you to kind of lay it against your business and see where you can be that, make those kinds of decisions so you can create the team or air quote teams that you need in order to get done what you need to get done. And you also have the total freedom of creating a business that you only sell exactly what you do great. You don't have to deliver every aspect of a solution to your client. You can develop and deliver one particular aspect that you are so good at and nobody, nobody on the planet can do it better than you can. And that's really when you niche down, okay? And I talk about that in a prior um, season where I talk about niching, right? So let me tell you, what a relief. I am so glad that now I focus strictly on what I love to do most and where I feel I provide the best value and impact. You know, the stuff that's 1000% Terry. Now, <laughs> I will be honest with you. I still do battle with the mindset that people only want the tangible asset. And that's something I am in the throes of working through. I don't have 100% confidence that I can be valued for just my strategic advice and coaching because I literally am so used to building things and I love creating. I mean, it's like, oh, I just, I love, <laughs> I love it. I love building a website. I love writing copy. I love designing things and branding and 
writing messaging and, and all of that stuff. And, and I'll probably always have my hand in copywriting and message feedback for my clients because it is my happy place. <laughs> but let me tell you what, I know that none of that will work if they don't have the right strategic thinking, direction, and objective support. And I mean specifically marketing. So your website's not going to get you business. Your funnel, your lead magnet's not going to get you business. Your amazing emails and copy are not going to get you business. What's going to get you business is you out there selling, right? And so I tell a lot of my new clients, once we get everything started with them, they've got their strategy, if they need revenue like hot and like right now, like yesterday, I tell them, get on the phone and start asking for business. And you don't need all that other stuff in order to ask for business. So that's something that is super important for people to be in action around sales. Sales is what's going to get you business. You can't have your business without sales. So, but that's another episode. <laughs> and here's the thing. I love what I do. I love the coaching. I love the advising. And I can serve so many more people through how I'm positioning myself today. And it, yeah, it's a journey. I mean, I'm learning this stuff, right? 15 years in business, and I am still learning and growing and shifting and getting better at what I do. And it's where I work, that strategic work, that guidance, that bolstering of my clients, that's where I have my biggest impact on my clients getting real results. And as long as they know that I'm there supporting them, cheering them on, giving them everything they need in order to simplify their business and multiply their profitability, they are there. They're loyal. They're advocates of the Terry Pappy world. <laughs> and I am so happy when I see them having success. So when you look at the big picture and you're trying to let go of those apron strings and let the little birds fly out of the nest, right? Kind of like the whole parents with the empty nest syndrome. You want to make sure that you're still loving yourself enough to give yourself permission to do what you enjoy most in your business. And it is. This whole season is going to help you figure out how you can delegate, automate, or eliminate things that you don't want to do or you're just not good at, right? Because you need to have lots of enjoyment and freedom and ease in your business if you wanna be a lifestyle solopreneur. So let's do it together and I'm going to take you through some amazing interviews this whole season. And I'm so glad you're here. Thank you for listening and I will see you next week. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me. You know, being a solo can be incredibly rewarding when you have the right guidance, resources, and community to help drive your business vision. The great news is that's exactly what you'll get with Simplify and Multiply. You've just listened to another episode of the Simplify and Multiply show with Terry Pappy. If you want to get free marketing and business development tips, templates, trainings, and more, head over to simplifyandmultiply.com and sign up. Learn how you can grow your business the easy way. That's simplifyandmultiply.com to join our growing community of amazing, talented solopreneurs out to simplify their business, multiply their income, and make a big impact in the solopreneur economy.